Welcome to episode 203 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bren Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. This episode, we hung out with Chantal Jandard. She is a designer at PlanGrid. We've known her for a while. She does awesome work. And finally got her in the studio. It was a very fun episode. Before we get into it, though, huge thanks to our two sponsors that made this episode possible. First up, Figma. Need a job? Figma's hiring. Specifically, they're looking for two designers, a design advocate and a content writer to focus on design trends and tooling, writing tutorials, and helping people really understand what Figma's capable of. That's the writer position. The design advocate is my old job. It's a good job to have. And I got to make some really awesome content, made the iconic video series, made some UI kits for some big companies, which was awesome. Uh, I got to spend time basically hanging out with friends and getting paid to do it. Mm -hmm. Not the worst thing. Not at all. Uh, If you haven't heard of Figma, it's an interface design tool. Uh, It's in the browser. It's where teams can design, present, get feedback all in one place in real time. It's an amazing tool. Bryn and I use it every day. And their team is just incredible. Not only the technology they're building, but also the culture they've created. Their office space is beautiful. What an awesome opportunity. So if you're looking for a gig, again, they're looking for two roles, a design advocate and a content writer. Uh, you should reach out. You can find more at figma.com slash careers. Otherwise, if you haven't tried the tool yet, go check it out at figma.com. Uh, next level user interface design tool with probably some of the best vector tooling uh, for icons. Bryn's been going absolutely nuts in the icon land and they need your help to make it better. So go to figma.com slash careers. Check out figma.com. Thank you, Figma. Second sponsor is Fuse. Fuse is a set of tools enabling you to write actual production code with its standardized component-based structure. So instead of prototyping, instead of designing things in a layout tool or whatever, you're actually writing the app. So instead of learning noodles and ports or coffee script or... We can't say those words on a radio show like this. Timeline. We have an explicit tag, but there's a limit, dude. <laughs> noodles and ports. Uh, instead of learning those things, instead you could learn fuses.ux file type, which is basically a really nice declarative way to build views and transitions and animations and all of that compiles down to an actual app that you could put in the app store, give to people to use, or if you're just testing, you can put it on a device and try it in the simulator. Just amazing tools and such exciting things to learn that actually outputs useful real live code. Uh, it's something Brynn and I are super excited about, and we think you should check them out. They're at fusetools.com. They have tons of examples and demos and documentations. So you can poke around and see what's possible. If you are working with a team that just wants a better process, they have a Fuse professional plan, and that comes with a product called Fuse Studio, which is basically like a, it's full, like a visual editor. full visual editor to build, design, and ship apps. Absolutely amazing. Uh, if you are interested in that for you or your team, you can use the promo code Design Details at checkout. That'll save you 50% on that pro plan. For a year. For a year. Again, that's promo code Design Details. Of course, uh, if you just go to fusetools.com, check on the features page, read the documentation. If you want to like actually learn something really useful, this is it. That's at fusetools.com. Thanks so much to Fuse for building awesome technology and for making this podcast possible. And with that, let's get into episode 203 with Chantal Jandard. Hi, I'm Chantal, and I'm a designer here in San Francisco. That was too short. Longer. <laughs> Longer intro. Try again. <laughs> Second pass. 
how much longer? How long? I'm totally, we're kidding. totally kidding. Yeah. Oh, really? I was like, oh my God, how many adjectives should I throw in there? <laughs> I'm Canadian. I don't know. <laughs> that, there you go. Okay. Uh, what are you working on right now? Um, yeah. So right now I'm a designer at Plan Grid, which is an app for construction. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, um, we're a platform for construction workers of any stage of the project to um, view their blueprints, to submit issues, to do RFIs, do all sorts of things. It's a really, really interesting space. And it's an RFI. Super- request Ooh. for information. information. <laughs> Yeah, nailed it. Really? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. I just like the, the acronym sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's actually really interesting. Um, so if you guys aren't familiar, the way buildings... not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, the way buildings are typically built um, is uh, if you don't have any technology like PlanGrid in your app, you'll have um, these huge paper plans. Like you need a special printer for these things. Like they're mm-hmm. massive. And um, some projects can be like 5,000 sheets so you can picture Whoa. like a really big stack of paper. Yeah. Um, and there'll be people rocking around the construction site carrying these big things of paper um, and making markups on them, like drawing little bubbles and stuff like that, trying to um, – if there's something that needs to change on the construction plan or if um, something is needing more information. And there's actually someone's job at the end of the day to go through all the different papers of this 5,000-sheet plan and make sure every single pe- like marking of the pen is the same on every single copy. Um, for this huge construction site. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> so if um, someone... Um, We've had computers yeah. for like how long? Yeah, yeah right? what? Wow. Well, and yeah, and if someone makes a mistake, like if there's an old copy of the plan, because there's reprints all the time, if there's an old copy running around the site, or if someone doesn't bubble something on one copy, um, sometimes people can literally build the wrong thing. They'll be using the old plan, they'll build the wrong thing, uh, the person comes up and it's like, oh, actually, this is wrong. We just have to demolish this now. They demolish it, and then they have to rebuild it. That's called rework, and that's like a thing that happens in construction sites. Golly. Yeah. So um, that's actually how our CEO uh, got the idea for this because um, being um, a smaller woman on a construction site, she actually couldn't carry these huge pieces of paper plans. They were just too big and too, like, too much. So her supervisor actually got her like a shopping cart-like contraption to wheel plans around Oh, my site. God. Yeah. That's- She's like, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, there has to be a better way. And then um, iPads came out, and she's like, oh, this is the better way. So um, Plan Grid is actually the first company to get into the space of collaborative um, sheet viewing and collaborative construction, which is pretty cool. We're kind of at the forefront. We were mobile first, which is really exciting, um, designed specifically to be out in the field, which is where construction happens. A lot of There's been always technology in construction, but a lot of the older companies started to do the office stuff first, mm-hmm. um, which isn't really where all the construction happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's out in the field. So that it's, it's really interesting. It's a really complex industry that needs technology so badly. But I imagine it'd be really cool to like have one of those big blueprints and like put it on the table and then you put your hands in the middle of the rolls and you sort of unroll it <laughs> to the sides and flatten it out on the table and everyone's standing around. I feel like that'd be cool that like w- first time. No, I know, for real. And then you, you point at something and say like, you know, say something smart and everyone's yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah. And then then you roll oh, it, then you roll it back up. This all comes from the paper? I'm, I'm picturing like a national treasure sort of situation here. <laughs> it's like, 
The blueprint we is the holy We have to build God. the national treasure. <laughs> yes. Now, you see, it's kind of like that now, only it's more like <laughs> Iron Man. So they'll have them on the monitor. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. there's like the smart guy, instead of unfurling it, he's gesturing to his UI. Yeah, he's Tom and Cruise doing, and yeah, Minority Report. Yeah. And doing these dramatic swipes as uh-huh. he shows everyone what he's doing. Oh, that's so, pretty cool. Say it's still a movie scene, but like a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I mean, Minority Report is better than National Treasure for sure. Uh yeah. If is, we're really evaluating companies by, by <laughs> movies by, that are similar to them. By movies that are similar to Vaguely. some subset of the product that they work on. Uh, I mean, that's how investment people figure it out, right? Mm-hmm, that's how yeah. VCs decide to fund you, what movie you're similar to, right? Oh, I know this. <laughs> that's what pitch that's what pitch meetings are. Yeah, yeah. It's just they clips just, of movies. Yeah. Here's our favorite clip from National Treasure. <laughs> I mean, that was a fine movie. Here in, you go. In what ways is this like National Treasure? Okay. The more the more money you get. Yeah. <laughs> The national treasure scale of fundraising. I love it. Uh, so what is what are the biggest design problems or challenges like working in this field that's just catching up to this kind of mobile technology on, on the field, right? In the field. Yeah. So there's um oh gosh, trying to think of some of them. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's pretty easy. Yeah, it's walk in the park, you know, standard things. Yes. No, it's actually really complicated. So when you're on the construction site, there are so many um, environmental things you need to be aware of. It's the bright sunlight often. So things that are maybe uh, contrast ratios that are maybe okay for apps that are meant to be used indoors or by um, well-sighted millennials with your like light gray background and slightly uh, darker gray text. Youngsters mm. these days. <laughs> Those young people. Um, those kind of things in the bright sunlight, like contrast ratio becomes so much more important, especially when um, construction is a very high male population. And uh, a lot, it's more, much more common to have colorblindness in males than it is females. So we have a much larger than maybe quite a few apps of our uh, population is colorblind. So being aware of um, how we're making our color choices and UI choices becomes a lot more important. We're also dealing with um, people wearing really big bulky gloves all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, typically where they store their iPads, at least from the site visits I've been on, is um, they'll have their vest on, their neon kind of colored vest, and they have a pocket in the back. So you have to be like they're constantly pulling out from the back and the front, and they have these big chunky cases on them too. So just being aware of like what the physical setup of their device is. Every, super different every like industrially oriented piece of like electronic equipment is insane <laughs> when i was working at it we had this uh facilities team that would take these like giant bulky laptops with these like rubber like yeah 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 like i don't know what you would call it honestly but it was it's just like this extra shit on the case it's like that, the bomb proof cases yeah. or something for laptops and stuff yeah crazy and sometimes you have to actually strap them to your person depending on um, how tall of a building you're working because mm-hmm. winds um a few guys have talked to us that their ipads literally almost blew out of their hands while they were like building like a multi-story mm-hmm. building yeah, yeah. it gets so windy and so crazy um so just like physical constraints like that and also there's um just a lot going on on a construction site. Like the complexity um, construction workers deal with on a day-to-day basis is just unreal. So you have all these different sub-disciplines running around trying to get their work done. Um, you have the general contractor trying to overlook it. You have superintendents running around on the site. You have foremen running around on the site. You have people actually doing the work. You might have the owner doing a tour. Um, you're trying to fig- catch the issues to make sure you're under, um, you're under, so you're like within your schedule, making sure you're not spending too much. Where are your materials? Have they been ordered? Are they shipped? It's like a lot of chaos. So trying to design for this kind of like very chaotic system and trying to make it, um, 
beautiful and useful and interesting and great. It's it's a challenge. It's got to be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because like Plan Grid, uh, that's kind of how it sells itself. Um, we've had some um, of the, the like, like I mentioned, a lot of companies are, were in the construction space before, but not mobile first. So a few of them um, and seeing Plan Grid are like, oh, we should get on that. And so they started building their own apps for the same thing. But um, they didn't go from a mobile first perspective. So a lot harder to use, a yeah. little bit more clunky. So a lot of ways Plan Grid differentiates itself as being like a really nice experience. So you mentioned that you go on site. Yeah. Is that an often yeah, like, actually. point of research for you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's one of the things that uh, Plan Grid makes sure happen. So everyone from like the CEO to like engineers, um, everyone does site visits. So we, um, as part of our graduation for onboarding, and PlanGrid has an amazing onboarding, by the way. It's crazy. They do architecture 101, they do building 101, and they actually like teach you things throughout the week what? about the discipline. Yeah, it's super cool. But they do this graduation and you get your own hard hat. So everyone has a <laughs> PlanGrid hard hat that they use for site visits. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. So um, we don our hard hat, we get our construction boots on, and then um, we either uh, follow around someone who's actually just doing their job and kind of just watch them using Plan Grid and ask them questions about how they're doing. Or sometimes we'll do like a site tour where they're just kind of showing us the various areas of the project and where they're at and things they're struggling with in general. Um, so that's been really interesting. Um, we're really, really user-centric, yeah. um, which I'm sure a lot of companies say that, but I think Plan Grid like really lives it just in constantly going on the site. I mean, you like, get hard hats to prove like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going there. Yeah, we're like legit here. <laughs> um, so it, it's been really interesting. It's every time I go on site, I start I'd notice something different about how, what I didn't expect. Um, so something, for example, that we um, we recently noticed is that uh, one guy, they're taking pictures of something they needed to fix. Like there was a scrape on some drywall that needed fixing, um, but the electricity hadn't been hooked up yet. So the guy actually was carrying around a flashlight. So then he would take a picture of it with his flashlight on. Yeah. Because um, iPads don't have flashes. Mm-hmm. So he oh, was they having. Don't? Ch- yeah, right? Oh. I guess because huh. like most people aren't taking pictures of their iPad. Um, Not you know, based on my experience being in a touristy area. <laughs> my Atlanta. <laughs> Just everyone. <laughs> Yeah, most people, most people. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's no flash. So he had to like have a flashlight and then yeah, try to yeah. like hold his iPad in this weird configuration and take some photos. Um, so now we've enabled to make sure that flash is working for the i like the iPhone and the Android. So you can flash on there. Yeah. Can't fix the hardware issue for iPad. But it was just something interesting because I never thought of like, how are they taking pictures in right. dark rooms with no electricity? Yeah, yeah didn't makes think about sense. It. How long have you been at Plan Grid? Um, almost a year now. Okay. Yeah. And... Why plan grid? Tell me the story. How did you end up at like, it's not a, your typical Silicon Valley company you think of, you know, it's like, <laughs> are you saying it's not sexy? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. It's not an industry that I think most people think of when they're thinking like, yeah, I'm going to go build software in San Francisco. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like people. Non-traditional. Don't... Yeah. Yes. Non-traditional. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> it's actually Probably really awesome. like really interesting problems. Oh, it's it's super interesting. Like, I mean, to be fair, if you told me like two years ago that like, hey, you're going to go be designing for construction. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm going to be designing an education forever because, you know, that's where I kind of came from. Mm. Um, that was my big passion. Um, but it, it's really interesting. Um, what got me there is I was job hunting and um, I was part of a Slack group. So I kind of just mentioned I was job hunting and someone uh, knew the, the the head of design there and was posting a job history. I'm like, Is that oh. Alyssa? Yeah, Alyssa. Yeah, yep. she's wonderful. So great. I know Alyssa. Alyssa Briggs, she used to work at Brigade with uh, Mark Hemion. Oh, okay. 
okay, cool. Yeah, so, yeah. She's wonderful. Like she's actually part of the reason I joined Plan Grid. Um, because she's like such a great manager. Um, so after seeing the job posting, I got an intro to her and she told me all about the role and um where she sees it going and how she is as a manager. Um, and it sounded really interesting. Like I never thought about construction, but the more um, I learned about it, the more I'm like, oh yeah, like, I mean, the buildings that we are living in and standing in and existing, like it's kind of the backbone of society, right? Um, so being able to like have a small part of that sounded like a really interesting opportunity. Yeah. And what's the team like now? How many designers? Um, we kind of fluctuate because we'll have kind of long-term contractors. So like four month long, eight month long. Um, but we're about like nine to 12-ish. Oh, I yeah. would say, yeah. So we usually have like one or two contractors at any given time, but yeah, decently sized team at this point. That's awesome. Yeah. We should back up. <laughs> Where are you originally from? Yeah. So um, born and raised in Canada. I'm what from part? Uh, Waterloo, if you know it. Um, I don't. Yeah. Most I've people heard of it. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most people haven't heard of Waterloo. Um, if, you ha- if you haven't, I just say Toronto because most people have heard of Toronto at least. They have a really good school though, right? Yeah. University of Waterloo. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm from. Um, from the university. Yes, born and raised. Born and raised. <laughs> the dorms are <were> my home. <laughs> school <laughs> is life. It's kind of like Quasimodo. Yeah. Only. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Just like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that you want to compare yourself to Quasimodo, <laughs> although he was a very sensitive, kind person. <laughs> you know, I'm personally a here. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, yeah, no, so Waterloo. Um, so I went to the University of Waterloo there, and that's really where I got um, into design. I didn't really know it was a profession when I went to school. I actually went to school for psychology. Um, thought I was going to get my PhD, go into neuroscience, or maybe go into psychology of education. That was like my original, like real passion. Um, didn't realize it was a job until um, we have this system called co-op at Waterloo that's similar to internships, but a little bit more intense, where you do four months of school, four months of work, four months of school, four months of work, and you do that through your entire education. Um, and they're all paid, which is super cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you do like, you get you can basically pay for your next school of term, like school yeah. term every four months. That's brilliant. Oh, it's super great. I graduated with almost no debt. Like, yeah. go Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. That too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so during my like my first term, there wasn't any good psychology jobs enlisted. They're all just kind of like being a lab assistant, which didn't sound great to me. Uh, but I learned HTML when I was younger off Neopets, like a lot of people have. Hang on. Tell Ooh. me more. Oh. <laughs> why Why were you learning HTML? Um, <laughs> so on Neopets, they had a HTML and CSS tutorial yeah. section. Um, and I had to be a good pet owner. I'm grade four. I've got this online pet and I need to, I got to do the right thing for my online pet. Got to uh-huh. be a good provider. And they gave me one page of space to make her a web page. I'm like, gone it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I sat there and learned HTML and CSS. Interestingly, um, before I learned copy and paste, so um, I, their code would be on the oh, screen. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Man, I typed everything. <laughs> way, way, way. No, I wrote it on paper. Oh, stop. <laughs> what? <laughs> I wrote it. I was like, all right, open bracket. What were you doing? What were you doing? (laughs) Wasting tons of paper. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, So I was writing down like a complex JavaScript at times, like running down this code and then typing it into the monitor. Um, Yeah. So I'm like, there has to be a better way. Yes. (laughs) Yes, there was. (laughs) There's these keys. (laughs) Yeah. Control C. Oh, my God. My mind was blown when someone showed me. Yeah, Yeah. Oh, it was great. Um, but it helped me learn it very well, very, very well. Um, so I did that for a while, and I was got really into anime as a kid as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> were you into anime? Of course, still I am. Was, yeah. <laughs> oh, <on>. wow. 
I like to watch yeah. anime while I'm working. Oh, no way. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I was uh, I was a pretty big anime nerd, like pretty intense. Um, I started my own anime website that was a shoujo anime database um, where people could go online and um, join my Oikake, join my form. You could uh, re- submit reviews for anime that you liked. Wow, um, and I re- Yeah, it was pretty intense. And you went deep. What? That's pretty impressive. I went super deep, yeah. and I ran it all um, up until like grade seven on email forums. So everything would just come into my inbox, and then I would just like update it. And I'm like, there has to be a better way. This is, is this going to be a recurring theme of your life? Yeah, like, I did something really inefficiently. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that should be my, like, if I ever write, like, a biography, like, that'll be yeah. the title. Yeah, copy and paste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, series of things I could have done much faster if I just Googled a little like bit. Like this title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it sort of runs off the end of the, the cover of the book. You should, like, like, unfold If it. only I had more room. <laughs> It goes on to the other side yeah, and like yeah, open yeah. it. It's actually funny because I recently gave my friend a card and I was like writing something. I had super big type at the top and then like slowly got smaller <laughs> till I had to draw an arrow and being like, oh, I should have thought this out, Reverse. I guess. Isn't that like uh, when you like make a sign for like a sports thing yeah. or whatever and you end up with like one, I know what size these words are. <laughs> <laughs> we never do and we uh-huh. never learn that we really big, don't. Big, 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 tiny letters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot what I was talking about. You were about. getting emailed oh, submissions yeah. to your Email website. submissions. Yeah. So um, I was gonna, So I thought there had to be another way. So I was really lucky that my brother-in-law was actually a programmer. So I told him what I was doing and he's like, oh, I've got the thing for you. It's called Cold Fusion. Ooh. <laughs> and um, thankfully, I didn't commit time to learning Cold Fusion. And Wait, I learned- weren't you throwing shade at Cold Fusion like a couple weeks ago? Yeah, someone called me out about it because oh. I think it's very funny. You're about to get called out again. That's fine. No, no, I want to hear the shade. What, are you, what were you throwing? <laughs> no, it's just really old. That's really all I said. Really old. <laughs> I was like, who needs that? Wait, what's Cold Fusion? Can you explain it? I honestly can't. Think like a page maker or something, right? Oh, like, is that what it was? Okay. You you make websites in a some sort of WYSIWYG environment, I believe. Oh, interesting. I just he but was you didn't to, learn it. I had to support no. it back when I worked in IT. Like gotcha. that's how uh, I know it. Gotcha. Yeah, I just remember the .cfm. I think it was the. Yeah. It sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll just make stuff up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I like, oh, this seems kind of hard and complicated. Then some of my friends learned PHP. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this seems like there's more tutorials for this. I'm going to learn this. And so I sent him some of the code and got him to help me with it. But unfortunately, um, he didn't know PHP. So he started learning PHP to help me. <laughs> and then later he got a job in it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it worked out really well. Um, so Did started- you get your commission? <laughs> I should talk to him about that. <laughs> Referral I mean, bonus? Actually, I kind of did in a way because he bought me my first .com. There you go. Yeah, so he got me .com. And then for my Christmas gift, he got me these things called hosting bucks, which he printed out and like made little bills for oh, me and awesome. bought me my first year of hosting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so then I could like hook up my PHP site to a MySQL database yeah. and like get a little autom- automated in there. Um, unfortunately, between the two of us, neither of us learned uh, security. Mm. So I quickly was hacked. <laughs> what yeah mm-hmm. yeah Golly, yeah it sucked um and my host like cut me off and uh, so i had to go on the phone with them and i'm like 10 or 11 i guess at this time maybe 12 and i'm just on the phone with them they're like you have malware on your site i'm like i don't know what that is <laughs> i'm a child can you take it off <laughs> yeah i'm not doing anything wrong i just have anime can you make it just stop yeah cool thanks uh, so that was like, I, I did that for a while. And I think once I got to high school, I kind of dropped the web thing until I got to university where um, there's a bunch of job postings for like 
being a webmaster. I'm like, oh, uh, I mm. used to be a webmaster. Uh-huh. I could webmaster again. Well, I was a webmaster <laughs> until I was hacked by yeah. the other webmaster. <laughs> there can only be one. The real webmaster. <laughs> the true. Yeah, I guess I was just a web rookie. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I did that for a couple terms, and my first one was doing information architecture for a rebrand, like a redesigning the website um, of um, one of my university websites. And uh, it was doing focus groups and talking to students about how they would want the website redesigned. Um, so that was like my first toe dip into design, oh, yeah. doing this kind of information architecture. Still didn't know I was doing design, thought I was just being a webmaster. Uh-huh. Um, then I worked for a semiconductor company, helping them with their website and started doing A-B testing and updating their UI and stuff like that. And that's when I started hearing about design. I'm like, oh, this is a thing. Um, and I had a really wonderful manager at that job. He was fantastic. And he kept throwing books at me left, right, and center. Hitting um, you. Literally hitting me. No. <laughs> Jacob. He kept assaulting <laughs> me with books. <laughs> What? <laughs> he just kept assaulting me with books. <laughs> just with knowledge. Great constant. manager, though. Great, great guy. A plus. Anger problems, good. but great person. <laughs> yeah, so that's when I learned about design. And then the next term, I founded about product design and got my first product design job in an education company and kind of went from there. This is like your third cycle in school. Yeah. So that's was, amazing. Yeah, third year was when I was on my first agile team doing design with some developers, which was super cool. Nice. Yeah. And then did you graduate? Yes, I did. <laughs> Spoiler, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's how it <laughs> Yeah, I graduated and um, I worked in Waterloo for a couple of years at that edu- education company before I uh, moved to San Francisco. I actually joined a healthcare startup that was super early stage and unfortunately only lasted uh, three months. <laughs> Why did you move to San Francisco? Um, mostly for work. Okay. Yeah. Like people reached out and offered you a job or you... You wanted to come here and... Um, yeah, I was uh, seeing someone at the time who lived here. Gotcha. And also, I was kind of like debating moving here. And um, then I, they, they actually reached out through a, a kind of a terrible Medium post I wrote. It was kind of cheesy. It was like... What was it? Oh, God. <laughs> it was like this really cheesy Medium post that was just like, you got to go out there and just do the thing. Just <laughs> do it. Follow your heart or something like that. So it was... It was- Hmm? Most medium posts. Most medium posts. <laughs> well, this is when medium still wasn't like the hot thing that people posted. They're like, I'm getting a new job things on and uh-huh. stuff. So this is like a little early stage when like getting like 300 recommends was like, whoa, yeah, big shit. deal. So um, you're like a medium hipster. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Not like full hipster, but like medium hipster. You know, like yeah. Cool. Mild hipster, yeah. you know, something like that. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, so um, they reached out to me through that. I'm not sure what about that like super cheesy post that like, I was damn, a good this girl's inspirational. Yeah, I think yeah, I... this seems great. Um, so they hired me, and I uh, moved out here. And then they kind of realized three months in, um, it wasn't really what they wanted to pursue anymore, and they weren't sure what they wanted to pursue. So then, unfortunately, I was laid off. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. So then it was a job hunt, which is super fun when you have a month to find a job before you're deported. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. How did that process go? Um, it was a bit of an adventure. I was kind of like trying to cram tons of interviews into one day, which interviews are kind of a very, um, a draining process and it's mm-hmm. not super smart to put them back to back to back. I learned. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also didn't really know how to interview in San Francisco because I think the San Francisco interview process of doing like 19 hours for one company, um, is not a thing in Canada. So I was like totally like thrown out there. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. What is this whiteboard thing you're having me do? Don't I just talk to you about my skills and I get a job? <laughs> Did you strategize how you like, was there any like rhyme or reason to how you applied and structured the process? Um, not the first time I was job hunting. So I um, 
That job hunt was really frantic. It was pretty much just like trying really hard to find something in time. Um, The next time I job hunted, because I had kind of like a temporary role in between, um, the next time I job hunted 10 months later, a lot more strategy. Yeah. Kind of figured out like, what is the company size I need? Um, What kind of people do I want to be working with? What kind of skills do I want to be developing? What kind of problems do I want to be working on? Um, and kind of mapped that out and tried to f- talk to people who worked at the company before I even started the interview process. Because I find you can read all the marketing material you want about a company. You can read their medium <laughs> all posts. All their medium posts. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, we definitely do this every single time and you get in there and it's like, actually, no. <laughs> like, oh, that medium post? You believed it? Crazy. <laughs> man, worked. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so actually talking to people like actually in there um, and in in those situations was really helpful. <laughs> So I find that, you know, there's a lot of people going through that now, like trying to get yeah. these jobs and trying to evaluate. And sometimes if the, we're, Britain or I are talking to them, it's like, I don't even know how to give advice because it's a mix of like what's personally interesting to you, but also right. like the skills you're trying to learn, the urgency, like are you about to get kicked out of the country, right? Right. How did you like hone in on what was important to you or like realize, you know, the size company is something that's for me. What What was it about that that? Yeah. That, like, spoke to you. Yeah. So um, something I knew for sure is I wanted to be solving a real problem. Um, and that's not to, like shit on any companies in particular or anything like that. Easy. But <laughs> <laughs> no. You're about to insult a lot of people. I know. But you could. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's um, some things that I think are just uh, San Francisco problems. Mm. Um, and they're problems that we experience as young people living in a big city. Um, and then there's problems that are kind of more widespread, more international, more worldwide, um, and industries we've never heard of or thought about. And a lot of the industries you don't think about are the ones that need um, design and technology the most. Like construction uh, like and healthcare. Healthcare, <laughs> education. Although education is starting to like pick up steam. It's really yeah. exciting to see more and more education companies, which is like, yes, awesome. Um, more and more financial companies too, like trying to make investing cool. I'm trying to make banking more accessible. I'm trying to make good financial learning more accessible. Like that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, so companies that are doing much more of a larger touch on things like there's a company called remix i don't know if you guys have talked to anyone from that mm-mm, company mm-mm. oh it's super cool they're doing like helping transit planners figure out the um the like how to plan routes better bus routes city routes so that it's the most optimal way this sounds like a game it could be yeah <laughs> your job is to play sim city <laughs> yeah and beat it and save the city <laughs> and win yeah yeah it's super cool um, so taking like a process that takes like tens of thousand hours and making it interactive, which is super cool. So I wanted to be working in some kind of space that um, did something for the cities I was living in, for the societies at a larger scale. Um, in terms of company size, I realized it needed to have at least three designers, but like m- probably less than 50 or 20. Um, it's I a want- big range. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, just I wanted to be able to still have an impact, um, still have a large chunk of the product or have like a product under me, something like that. I'm still being able to kind of lead something. Um, But I didn't want to be the first designer because I knew I wasn't quite ready to be Mm -hmm. leading a full strategy of a company. That's like a lot. If you're going to be the first designer, that's a lot of responsibility. Um, So I knew somewhere in the mid range. And it was super important to me who my manager was um, and what the leadership was like, Um, because I think that. I realize more and more that the the manager really makes your work experience. Um, you can live like you can have a fantastic job with great people, but if your manager is uh, not doing well or not like helping you out, then it can be a really rough situation. Yeah, 
Totally. And how did you evaluate that? Like, were these the people, did you meet the managers before you even started applying or was that a person that you sought out during the interview process? Yeah. So I guess once I found companies that kind of matched the, um, what I was looking for in terms of size and impact, um, I started just reaching out to people who were currently either on the design teams, like working under the head of design there, or um, trying to reach out to head of designs themselves to do coffee. Um, and just talking to people like, what is this person like to work with day to day? Are they like their medium posts? <laughs> um, what do they value? Like, what are your one-on-ones like? What do you guys talk about on your one-on-ones? Um, what is it? How long do people typically stay at this company? The last person that left, why did they leave? Those are um, great questions. Holy <laughs> shit. You should, you should write a medium post. Can we go it. back to like what a person would be like if they were like a medium post? This sounds very interesting. What would your medium post be? Which one? <laughs> so multifaceted, you need a part one, part two, part three. It's like when people, like I meet people and they're like, you're taller than you look on Twitter. What are you talking about? <laughs> You're seeing 72 pixels of me, homie. You look five feet tall on yeah. t- our Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on Tinder. Yeah, on Tinder. I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's funny. I actually get people who say they can't recognize me off Twitter. Huh. Because um, your profile picture is not a real picture. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. You know, well, even when I had like a normal uh, non-trippy picture, people are like, oh, you cut your hair. Your hair is different than your yeah, picture. I'm yeah. like, the rest of me is the same. Yeah. How is hair length like make me unrecognizable? I've- I feel like, I mean, it doesn't matter, but uh, being recognizable in your online photos <laughs> can be helpful, I think. Uh, yeah. Like, That's why I never take my sunglasses off <laughs> wearing them right now. <laughs> so it's a funny story because like I've seen Bryn multiple times yeah. when he um, didn't have his sunglasses on and I almost didn't recognize yeah, him because yeah. he does the sunglasses in the picture. Right. <laughs> or like people that are really serious in their photos and then you meet them in person they're like smiling and laughing you're like huh this doesn't add up <laughs> this isn't right at all <laughs> yeah yeah i've definitely seen that uh anything in particular that you learned or like mistakes you made during this interview process that other people could avoid because i think this mm. like strategizing a job hunt in san francisco is something a lot of people struggle with yeah uh yeah, anything you would advise mm. people on? I mean, obviously, all the stuff you've shared is like perfect. Those are great questions to ask. Yeah, I think the something, um, I think when you're first job hunting, sometimes people um, over prioritize the um, repu- like not the reputation, but brand names of companies. Mm-hmm. Like they really want to work for a company that's super famous or um, it's something they use every day. Or something uh, th- where you can tell your parents what you do. Yeah, yeah, actually. Like, hey, mom, I work at that the, at the Google. I work at know? Facebook. You know what Facebook is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, people actually do that. It's yeah. true. Um, so I think that there's a lot of companies in San Francisco. There's so many companies. There's so many you haven't even heard of. So diversifying where you're looking. Um, so you're not just going to ones that come top to mind or scrolling through your phone being like, which of these apps would I work for? Yeah. How did you um, find companies for that list talking to a lot of people yeah um kind of like just meeting people for coffee even if they their company wasn't hiring even if they didn't want to the company just talking to them and saying like hey here's what i'm kind of doing here's what i'm looking for like do you know anyone mm-hmm. do you know any companies and that's actually how i found playing grid was through word of mouth gotcha. um someone just kind of happenstance sharing it in a social area which was cool cool yeah and is this second job hunt wh- where that happened yeah 
Yeah, actually. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, like I was making sure to actually go out and talk to people. And even if their company wasn't hiring, they usually had really good recommendations because they were in a company that maybe I was interested in and they would know other companies kind of like themselves or in the same sphere, mm-hmm. um, which I think is super All cool. their competitors. Yeah. <laughs> Just like real, list them all out, um, which I think is it's awesome. I think another thing that um, I made the mistake of doing is spending way too much time on my portfolio, which I think a lot of people are super Ooh. guilty of. Wait, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Should designers have portfolios? Oh, God. <laughs> I said the wrong thing. <laughs> yes. You done goofed. <laughs> and now yeah. we're here. Um, I think it was it was a good process for me to think through, but I think I overthought the first time I was doing it. It's like, do I have big pictures? Do I have little pictures? Do I have any pictures? Do I write case studies? Some people say I shouldn't have words. Some people say I do. What do I do? And I ah. spent a lot of time like overthinking it. Um, but the best advice I got was um i can't even remember who told me it i wish i could like credit whoever said this to me um but they're just saying like if you want uh, think about what you would value and make sure you're showing that so that you are chose like people are gonna be looking at tons of portfolios make sure that whenever someone who is the same kind of values the same things you do sees your portfolio they'll see what they need so like think about your own values and try and match your portfolio so that someone will choose you based on their values. So, so Bryn's website would be filled with puns and a picture of a motorcycle. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Cool. <laughs> what would it be filled with? Not a portfolio. Oh. Nothing there. <laughs> I want, wow. I want, I want, I want <laughs> Anyways, moving we, on. I want a we bunch of links nerve. to your stuff in the app store. <laughs> okay. Or like existing applications. Okay. Yeah. So I guess like how I ended up interpreting that advice was um, just typing out all my design decisions, why I made that choice, um, talking about the research I did, talking about the strategy, and doing mostly just pictures to show the UI and give context, but most of it ended up being writing. Um, and some people said like, ah, oh, no one's going to read all that. That's a lot of text. No one's going to read all of that. But then um, I would talk to um, people like Alyssa and she's like, I read all your case studies. I thought they were super interesting. Here's the part I thought I really liked. And this was super cool. And actually she had gone through some of them um, or she was just. That's really, like, like a great sign, by the way, is yeah. if the person that hires you read your website. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or I mean, I mean, maybe she just scrolled through really quick and like picked up key lines <laughs> and like really nailed it. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, but maybe. it impressed me anyway. I was like, oh, wow. Like she actually like understands the thoughts I was trying to like what I was trying to do and where I came from. Um, and there's definitely some people that, you know, said I had too much words, but. You too know, much words? Too much words. Did, too talk good. Too much <laughs> words. <laughs> no job. <laughs> that was the email I got. No job for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've killed Bryn. <laughs> uh, did you guys see Keegan's email? Uh, do you know Keegan Jones? No. Do you know who it is? Uh, at Keegan on Twitter. Yeah. He tweeted yesterday that he was trying to cut all of his emails down to like third grade sentences. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he started like interpreting people's tweets into like three word sentences. Uh, it was the best. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> that was That was an aside, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I'll so look that up after. <laughs> your portfolio is still up. It is. So people can look and see what you put out there that ended up working. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Brian, I- why isn't yours up? I deleted it. I don't know. Why? I don't know. Oh, are you part of the no portfolio boat too? No, no. I'm. If I'm job hunting, hell yeah, I got yeah. a portfolio up. 
but then I got a job and I just decided to redo my website to be whatever the, I wanted it to be. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm at right now. I kind of, yeah. I look at it now. I'm like, oh God, I sent this to people. That's too bad. Oh, but some of these days, hey. saying, yeah, it worked. I mean, it, it worked, worked for me. Um, but yeah, I'm at the point where I kind of want to redo it just to be random shit now. <laughs> uh, I have a job. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of nice. I I think your odds of getting a job are probably like a million times higher if you have a portfolio. That's like what people look for. I mean, it helps, right? Like if they Unless don't you know you. Unless you have like this massive reputation and body of work behind right. you that speaks for itself, but that seems pretty rare. And those people, those kinds of people are rarely job hunting. They're like I think a network yeah. can be hunted. effective. Yeah. 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 And I think the thing too, like, I mean, maybe you don't need, need one if you know someone at the company and they can recommend you, but at some point you're going to have to present your work. Like it's slideshow or something yep. like you need to have a body of work in a folder that you can easily talk to or speak mm -hmm. of. So, I mean, maybe it's a portfolio. And like, I mean, you're applying to jobs. I'm sure a portfolio is helpful if you don't have a network or if you are you have a friend or an acquaintance, you can send them the portfolio to send to their hiring manager yeah. or something. But you, you need those artifacts at the very least. Yeah. Unless you're like Mr. Famous McGee or whatever. <laughs> ah, Mr. Famous <laughs> McGee, that guy. <laughs> classic, like, classic. Everyone knows McGee. <laughs> <laughs> He's famous. Like, <laughs> Bryn just eye rolled at me. <laughs> it's okay. That's classic. Classic. I was eye rolling at the concept. <laughs> so one last thing about these like crazy job hunts that yeah. I don't know. I feel like people maybe well for good reason don't talk about publicly, but also it kind of sucks for people that are going through job interview processes. The number, right? Like <laughs> how much you're going to get paid. Is yeah. that for a good reason though? I think. It seems like people are realizing that it's not good for that to be secret, but it still it's is good for sort your employer. of it's good yeah. for your employer, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's still sort of a taboo thing. I actually listened to uh the Working Files podcast recently. Oh, interesting. And they talked about how much money they'd made as designers over the course of their career. Like that stuff's useful. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious for you, obviously no specifics, but like how did you know like <laughs> if you were being treated fairly? throughout this process? Yeah. So um, uh, something that I'm, I guess I'm really lucky with uh, my friends and just the various people I've been online is just trying to destigmatize um, talking about salary. Like um, whenever friends are unsure about um, if they should negotiate or not, I'm like, well, what, what do they offer you? Here's what I make. Mm -hmm. We have similar experience. Like, have you asked other people what they make at that company? Like, just talk about it. Know the number. Um, and I think people are sometimes a little unsure if they should share what they make. Um, I guess it can be uncomfortable for some people, like if, um, you know, grass is always greener or yeah. like you have less experience than me. Why do you make more? And that I mean, sort of sentiment. I think that comes a lot from, especially in Western cultures, we like associate our salary with our value. Mm -hmm. And we don't want people to know what we're valued at by like other people. Yeah. Right. It's so fucked up. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but I think the more you talk about it, the more um, you're able to um, just push, like, know what you're worth and ask for it. Like, one of my friends recently went through the job hunt and was given an offer. And um, she actually has more experience than me. Like, she has a couple more years. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, what was your offer? And she gave me the number. I was like, oh, like, I'm making a little bit more than that. Like, you should – so she actually asked for my salary when she went back, and she got it. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, it's 
I think the some employers play not all and not everyone. Like some people will offer you like a very very reasonable salary, and maybe negotiations are not needed. But there are a lot of places that will try and like see where they can put you. Especially mm-hmm. um, this is a huge concern um, for minority groups. Yeah, um, people that typically have been paid less at their last role, it can perpetuate. So just straight out knowing what you're worth, I think, is very helpful. Mm-hmm. And um, if any employer asked her, what were you paid at your last job? Um, you don't have to answer that question. It doesn't yeah. matter. This is, you know, they can, you can give a ball. They can, you, they can ask you, you know, what are you expecting? And you can be super honest about like the amount you want. And- One million dollars. <laughs> well, at, at least in California, <laughs> yeah. they can't require you to tell them. Yeah. I think so it's one a, thing. It's a mm-hmm. law. I don't know what other states have the same case, but here they can't require you to tell them. Yeah. People should definitely know that. that uh, yeah. I would say I'm not good at negotiating, but I haven't had to do it much. But like the rules are, you know, you don't name the number first and then do not say what you made at your last job. Right. Unless right. you did really fucking well at your last job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Then, Throw it out there. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. I, I used my salary from Sidewatch to negotiate my one at Figma mm-hmm. because I was like, I was basically applying to a marketing role. So mm-hmm. automatically there's like a, a decrease in value there from like running a design team to being a marketer. Yeah, so I guess that's the other point too is like there's context involved that's like even knowing someone's salary mm-hmm. is, I would say more in Silicon Valley is almost not even that big of a number compared to like equity or right. what the benefits are or yeah, well, benefits are things huge. like that, right? Most early stage startups will push heavily to give more <laughs> equity and in, in many cases that's just like... Well, they have to. It's well, like funny money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they have to, right? That, but that, that only matters if some of the employees really care about what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And so a lot of times it, you just can't like get get the amount of money you need. Well, even then too, I think it becomes like almost golden handcuffs in a way because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then you've taken this pay hit. Um, so like uh, there's a lot of psychology behind um, why people do what they do and why they stick with it. Um, but I think once you've, uh, they've done a lot of studies. It's really interesting. Um, once you've done an outward behavior, you actually change your inward beliefs to mm-hmm. kind of match it. So if you. Um, it's like opportunity cost a little y- bit, right? Yeah, a little bit. Like you're like, well, if I if I did this thing, then I must believe these things. <sighs> and so you start internalizing these beliefs more and more. So even if you kind of took the equity just because you were afraid to negotiate, you can almost convince yourself that I took the e- equity because I really care about this company. I think it's going to be really successful. So I think people can like convince themselves to do this, make this choice. Um, and then they stick with this company for like maybe longer than they should because, you know, they've invested so much, fallacy of uh, lost. Sunken costs. Yeah, sunk costs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they just kind of get stuck. So I think, yes, equity can be useful and valuable, but also like take the money too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't completely shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's awesome that you found friends that could name the number. Um, yeah, that should be much more prevalent in our industry. That should be. I think there's also yeah. like a weirdness about like, uh, especially with people that are younger, you might feel like you're bragging a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I think. I it mean, def- if they ask, and you're cool sharing it. Yeah, I think it. You have to be like people with the same industry around mm-hmm. the same experience and stuff. Um, it's interesting that like. Um, I find that people aren't so shy about showing the number, but I think that might just be in the, um, I'm in some women's only slacks where we kind of just talk and share. But I think because we, um, as women know that typically we aren't paid well, um, it's especially 
for like women who are um, intersectional and also are minority in other ways. Um, they they know they're not paid well, so we know we need to share our salaries. We know we need to negotiate for each other and negotiate for ourselves. So we're sharing so much more than I think maybe um, a lot of like mm-hmm. male or mixed slacks yeah. or communities are. Well, it's really easy for me to share my salary now because it's zero. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so that's but I have all the equity. Yeah, it's helpful to like be starting a thing and then people just never ask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we know what you're That's making. True. It's, it's like not oh, dollars. I know you don't make any money. It sucks <laughs> to be you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's true, actually. Yeah, I think at one point you talked a little bit about the benefits and stuff too. Right. And like, yeah, that is. Super we don't important. have those. <laughs> Should well, we get more things we, you don't have? We, for... <laughs> God dang it! What am I doing with all my time hanging out with Brick? God, son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so at my last company, not yeah. Facebook, but before Buffer, uh, they just made everyone's salaries public. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. How did that work? How did that go? I knew what you made. Yeah. People could Google what I made. People could Google how and much equity I was equity like, I he's not worth that much. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh man, Buffer's getting scammed. Uh, it was good. Mm. I th- like everyone wants to know, uh, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Yeah. I wonder how it actually like worked out in the company i think it ended up being that people just f- came in feeling like they were being treated fairly that's it's awesome. like if you if it's secret maybe not everyone i don't want to project but i certainly had this voice in the back of my head at other places like did i negotiate well yeah. am i getting fucked right now yeah yep. not really even on the salary but mostly on the equity part like did i get fucked I don't know. And so having that be public meant that as you're applying for the job, you already know what you're going to get. So if you're not happy with it, then don't fucking apply for the job, (laughs) right? Like you're crazy. It's true, yeah. So you end up going into something that you already knew you were going to get and it ends up feeling pretty good. It also buffered like paid well. So it was like a fair company. That's awesome. Like uh, I don't know. I don't know of anyone else that does that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of the time the, the, the logic for um, hiding salaries is like, oh, we don't want to create drama. It'll yeah. cause problems. But it sounds like it was actually the opposite. It created less drama as a result. I think the uh, major criticism, which hasn't manifested in any way, was by publishing the salaries that you pay your employees, mm-hmm. other companies will have an easier time poaching them. I mean, I guess. But, but the reverse logic is like the company who trust their employees so much and the employees trust their employer so much like aren't really likely to be poached anyways so it hasn't really happened (laughs) as far as i know yeah i think that makes sense too like i mean i've it's funny that a lot of companies will use that logic oh we don't want you to get poached yeah it's like well people don't just get grabbed (laughs) yeah (laughs) randomly off the street (laughs) we got you now (laughs) and that's that's not the only lever so yeah exactly i've I've even heard some agencies won't publish the names of the people who worked on projects because they don't want them getting poached if the project is really good yeah in case studies and stuff it's like well that's too bad like That, that sucks yeah like they did a great job like let them, if you're such a great agency, then they're not going to leave. Yeah. Like, if you're an agency that got them this amazing work, then. Yeah, exactly. And, and your employees are more than just a tool, right? Like, Yeah, right. that's the thing I don't like about that is it's like they are just a means to an end and not like something that should be valued in and of itself, right? Yeah. Great employees. Let's celebrate that. 
Right. And I mean, I think if you treat an employee really well and they and you help them a lot and they become, um, even if they do end up leaving, they become like an ambassador for your brand. Totally. Like that's a huge thing. Yeah. Like there's definitely people who um, like I've worked with at past companies that ended up like sending referrals back to the company they left because exactly. uh, and they went out in the world because they had a great time there, but they just needed to move on. The, the mm-hmm. role they needed for the next step in their career just was another company or whatever have you. So yeah, I think the defensive measures some companies go through to try and keep people actually do the opposite, yeah. which is kind of unfortunate. Makes it very off-putting. Yeah, sure. yeah, for and sure. And uncomfortable for everyone. So takeaway is find friends you can trust that yeah. you can hopefully commiserate with in some way and like get good information. Yeah, and just know your value and know that before you get into a get into a negotiating situation. Because sometimes, depending on the negotiator too, depending on what the manager's like, they can try and convince you something's a good deal when it's not. So yeah. Know, know but we got ping pong tables, man. Oh man, the beer pong we do, it's unreal. <laughs> that, uh, that at least adds up uh, to like $20,000 a year. It's my brain. What? <laughs> yeah, the idea of playing we beer pong We go on team trips to Reno. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of playing beer pong at work is terrifying to me. The idea of playing ping pong at work is not... Yeah, not my favorite. I can't say I've ever got into it. It's a very noisy game too. Like it's really distracting. We used to have at a past employee uh, employer um, uh, foosball, which is like super loud. Uh Yeah, that is so loud, Mm -hmm. and you can play it any time of day. And there's definitely people with their desks right beside it. I'm like, wow, you (laughs) you did not draw the right straw, my friend. Yeah. That sucks. And I haven't seen any like the bean bags or anything like that. I don't think we had like some like emoji beanbaggy things in our like sitting area at figma but i think that was like no one else everyone's just having offices <laughs> like who are these people that people stereotype startups as i have not seen these <laughs> yeah i guess you should go work for more startups <laughs> I'm like, get, get 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 <laughs> or you can make our startup one of the stereotypes can we not though can we <laughs> i'm gonna order some beanbags you're fired. You could definitely like put a net right here on this table. Like mm-hmm. you, this could be a ping pong oh. slash. We could Re- play ping pong while recording. While recording. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that would not cause problems with the audio at all. I agree. And I don't think the equipment would be damaged What if either. we were all recording from beanbags? Oh, there you go. Love seats. If love these were just like the mics were a little bit lower. Yeah. We could all just sit. Beanbag details. Beanbag details. <laughs> the ding dang details. Beanbags while playing beer pong and also. That sounds dangerous. This Someone's going to choke. This That's is, where you draw the line. This is peak startup. <laughs> peak podcast startup. We've nailed it. <laughs> we have ascended. Yeah. I mean, if, once you've uh, shown how your movie, your uh, startup's the minority report, yeah. then you have all this funding. Then yeah. This is what you need to do. Yeah. So you know National Treasure? <laughs> That's how things are now. And we're at the Minority Report. <laughs> and we need to order X number of beanbag chairs. So. And somehow this makes sense. Well, in Minority Report, they have those cool, like, pools that they just float in. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. We should get those. Personal pool pods. Can we get one of those in here? It's just fun to say, too. Personal pool pods. Then we'd pod. be podcasting from our Whoa! pods. <laughs> it's like, it's like We've a, gone... a single person hot tub. <laughs> We've gone off the deep end. <laughs> the deep end? Is that a pun? No. <laughs> <Take> it was. <laughs> uh, at one point, you wanted to get your PhD in psychology? Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? Is that still an interesting area for you? Um, I think, so when I, I um, so interesting, when I was applying to university, I originally applied um, all my schools for stage management and drama. 
Hmm. Um, yeah, I did stage management and drama when I was in high school. I was on a competitive improv team. I was one of the drama kids. Oh, shit. Competitive <laughs> improv. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Wait. <laughs> Like score on improv? Like yes. improv battles, dude. That literally is a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a thing. It's actually a big deal in Canada. How in do some you, parts how of it? It sounds like a big deal in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> how's it scored? Where are the kids in the hall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's um, the Canadian Improv League. And uh, yes. This Kill. Is, <laughs> Kill. <laughs> Kill. Oh, truth. shit. Well, still. <laughs> um, and they, um, so they'll be regionals and then there's nationals. And so each school um, that has an improv coach, not every school had a, a program going. Um, you'll be training about two times a week for about three hours all year. And um, then you will compete in regionals against a team. And they're, oh, I can't remember the rubric exactly, but they're kind of assessing you based on how well did you work together as a team? Um, how funny was, are you? Yeah. <laughs> First, how funny, funny are you? How many references to Kids the Hall did you incorporate? <laughs> um <laughs> Um, and also how well did you use your suggestions? Um, so something that's a little different for, um, for competitive improv that you don't really see in shows like, um, oh God, whose line is it anyway? Um, we're not necessarily going for laughs, but the idea is like you get a suggestion like napkin or something and you have to like embody it as much as possible. So you turn you, into a napkin. Literally. So like you got to talk like, what does a napkin talk like? It how does do you make it. like it a It lays down. Board? You yeah. set stuff on it. <laughs> Um, and like, how do you move like a napkin? Do you kind of like float across the uh -huh. stage and that kind of stuff? So how many ways can you incorporate that suggestion that you got and really let it like shape your script? Um, yes, yeah, so that was really interesting. So I was a really big drama kid. Um, and, um, I was about to go to school for stage management. I'm like, oh, I don't really know what I'm going to do. So I guess I'll just keep on, uh, keep on trucking on this. This sounds great. And then I was just on the internet doing whatever, and I learned about <laughs> psychology. I'm like, oh, that's a thing? You can just study people's brains? That's sweet. More stories should start that way. <laughs> so I was in the internet doing whatever. <laughs> so I was doing competitive improv. <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> on the internet. In my pool pod. and <laughs> <laughs> See, that's improv. <laughs> I like it. Wow. I like what I'm seeing here. <laughs> <laughs> Did you win a lot? You must have won a lot. I was actually not that great. Um, <laughs> our team actually went to nationals, which is amazing for a rookie team. Yeah, you're, you're pretty all bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, it's, it's so interesting. When you're figuring out um, who's going to do what in improv, they actually give you kind of roles uh, or the coach kind of get trained us to do roles. Um, so he would tell us like, okay, um, one of you is going to be the character and you're always the main character for this. And one of you, your job is to like move the story along. You are kind of like trying to help the character. You're like any side characters he needs. And so you're given the suggestion and then you just kind of go one, two, three, improv and you just start. But everyone already knows kind of the framework and what they're supposed to do. Um, so my role was the move the story along person because I'm not very good at impressions. I'm not actually that funny. Um, but I can like kind of move things along. So I had uh, one of the guys, Ryan, he was the really funny one. He could do impressions of anyone. He was just super funny. So he was always the main character guy. Um, so we kind of had our framework that we followed. So it was improv, but constrained. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. And yeah. uh, more constrained than this podcast. So anyways, yeah. you're on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on the internet. Oh, I rambled. and um, That's our fault. <laughs> yeah. We so should have moved the story along. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh, look at that. Improv. Uh-huh. <laughs> Now we have to start calling out improv. Just yell improv. improv. <laughs> all your time. Improv. <laughs> yeah, so I found out psychology was a thing. I had never heard of it before. I didn't know it was that you could just go and study how people thought and yeah. were. I'm like, that sounds amazing. So I, I applied to University of Waterloo for psychology because of the co-op program. And um, 
I just like, I'm like, well, I only applied to one psychology school. Sure hope I get in. And it turned yeah. out working out really well for me. I got into psychology. And um, as I started going to school for that, I was super interested. I loved my coursework. It was everything was so interesting to me. I was reading my textbooks for fun. Like I was really into it. Nerd. I know. <laughs> Improv. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And then I realized the realities of being in academia. <laughs> um, and that's like, you get to study one tiny thing for the rest of your life. Like you're getting your PhD in psychology, but it's like one sliver of psychology. And that's what you devote your time to, um, forever. And I was just, I, I was interested in way too many things to do that. I wanted to do educational psychology for a while. I was like, oh, I'm going to go into educational psychology and I'm going to redo all the curriculums to make them super science-based and we'll learn how kids learn math and really optimize that. And I was like, no, 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 I really want to do social psychology. I want to learn how people interact with each other and how they relate. And that's super interesting. And um, I just couldn't pick which one I was going to do. So I think none. <laughs> Yeah, it's like couldn't choose. So then as I was like having this like, oh, God, what am I going to do? I need to start specializing soon. If I'm going to figure out what my PhD is going to be in, that's when I was doing my co-ops. Yeah. And I was doing more and more in design. And then it was like around my second one, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This design thing involves psychology. You need to understand how this person works and exists and how they feel and how to make them feel different ways. Um, So you can actually use psychology in design. And then I can do it in anything I want. I can do the cognitive. I can do the, the social so it was just kind of this like beautiful marriage of everything I really enjoyed. Yeah. So do so. you still find that playing a role today in what you're doing now? Yeah. In a lot of ways, like I find myself as I'm trying to design something, sometimes like, oh, I remember reading a paper on this. Oh, there's yeah. totally a study on this. And then I like look it up. And, and then like, I forget oh, yeah. about it. <laughs> do you <laughs> want like, to do like, psychology, but also draw lots of rectangles? <laughs> <laughs> Great way to market it. Oh my god! That's how like we should be recruiting people into design. Just uh-huh. like go into a psychology thing. Like, how do you, do you feel like about this? rectangles? <laughs> <laughs> If there was going to be a border radius, how much of it would you want? <laughs> oh, shit. What's your number? Oh, I like a good five pixels. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm joking. Oh. You just freaked out there. That's, that's wow. not actually uncommon. <sighs> I can't imagine an odd number border radius. Really? Yeah. What's your number? Four? Yeah. <laughs> Bryn shakes his head like rookie. 24. <laughs> <laughs> Or you can go the full Twitter route and just go circles. Yo, they stole our style, like straight up. Circles? <laughs> For sure. We did, did circles you? first, yo. Full monopoly on circles. Yeah. And that, that like input that's like super, super round, that's like half of our cards are like that round. <laughs> Man. Oh my God. God, I can't believe this is happening right now. <laughs> Real angsty about it. Uh at the end of the show, we like to ask, what keeps you up at night? Um, the, uh, the color yellow. <laughs> the wow. Color yellow. The, that's a throwback to something that didn't happen on the episode. <laughs> Good work. You can cut that, Sarah. Improv. Thank, thank Improv. you. <laughs> Improv. <laughs> yeah, I think something I'm thinking about a lot right now is just the um, – with how the current government agencies are – um, not super aligned on environmental policies, ways individuals can go about making the environment a little bit better. So something I'm really interested in is like the zero waste movement and trying to reduce waste and just not use garbage anymore. How? Um, by uh, You litter everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, flush it down the toilet. Just flush it. Just go into you don't your tr- void. If you don't put it in a garbage can, it's not garbage, is it? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Improv. <laughs> <laughs> 
feel bad for introducing you to that now. I feel like this is going to be like oh, every episode. Oh, this is going to be like the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just improv. Just change the show name. Wow. Spirit Fingers. <laughs> Design improv. Oh, shit. That's not a bad idea. It's a very bad idea. <laughs> no, so tell me, Zero Waste, how is that possible? What do you do? Yeah. So, I I mean, the title Zero Waste is kind of, um, that's the goal and goal eventually. So, as long as you go through the process, you are not necessarily being zero, literally zero waste the whole way. But it's kind of looking for opportunities in your life to cut down. Um, so, something, for example, is I switched away from plastic razors. And now I use one of those badass, like, safety razors, like the steel ones. Oh, shit. That, yeah, with the little, like, square blades. Yeah. That's legit. I feel super those fancy when I shave now. Yeah, wow. yeah. And also, no one can, like murder you in the shower because no, you've got a knife. No, I've got knife. a murder weapon right there. It's kind of dual purpose. You have a reverse murder weapon. Reverse murder for weapon. The, you can what? reverse psycho them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like pinching that now. Just like whipping it out. She's like, wait, uh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like pretty legit. I feel super fancy when I use it. And um, instead of having a plastic toothbrush, I have a bamboo toothbrush now that yeah. I can compost. Yeah. Um, I, what else? Oh, instead of having a coffee cup, I have actually a collapsible coffee cup mm-hmm. that I use that I can carry in my bag all the time. And it can be like a magic trick. It actually is. Like, <laughs> you have no idea how many baristas, like, compliment me on it and ask me where I got it and how much is it. They, people really like it. Yeah. Um, it's called a Stojo if anyone wants it. Um, yeah, and just trying to reduce waste. Like, at our house, we actually don't have any paper towels. We just kind of cut up T-shirts and use those around the house. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess just finding opportunities to like reduce waste. And I'm what about the t-shirts? T- yeah, so eventually those will have to go. Monster. I know <laughs> they're just reusing their garbage. I mean, yeah, I guess that's a reuse kind of situation. I mean, to be fair, those are like startup t-shirts. Oh, oh, please, by yeah. all means, so they were already garbage. <laughs> <laughs> this company probably doesn't even exist anymore. Like, yeah, seriously, statistically, <laughs> statistically speaking. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I'm getting more and more, um, as I've replaced all the easy things, like kind of getting into more difficult things to replace. You're leveling up your no-waste lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, actually. And it's like, it's a little tricky trying to remember to make sure I have all my stuff on me. But like in bars, I actually, I have a metal straw that I bring. Holy um, shit. Wow. Yeah. But the problem is trying to get a drink without a straw is actually super hard in a bar environment because <laughs> it's super loud. They don't really hear you. Sometimes they think I wanted two straws. Um, no, yeah, yeah, no straw, and then they look at me like I'm really weird when I ask for no straw. Like, well, it's not a well, why thing. don't why don't you want a straw? This comes as a straw. You just always order a beer. They never give you a straw, and then you launch into a explanation of <laughs> yeah. the no waste. You know, yeah. So and we I, actually don't even have paper towels at home either. <laughs> the bartender's <laughs> like, uh huh. <laughs> I don't use a plastic razor. Kind of like looking at the door, kind of like eyeing the bouncer. Yeah. I mean, we're joking, but that okay. So no metal. Yeah, metal straw. straw. Um, and I've, I've recently tried, I actually have collapsible um, food containers too, like Tupperware. Yeah. Um, so I've been giving those at restaurants when it's like to-go food. Yeah. Being like, instead of that plastic container, could you just put it in here? Yeah. And they've actually been super chill. I don't know if it's just because I'm in San Francisco and they're like, you're not the weirdest person we've had today <laughs> <laughs> or what it is, yeah. but they're pretty okay with it. Um, so it's pretty cool. With So far where we're at, my roommate's kind of doing it as well with me. Like she's pretty environmentally conscious as well. Um, we're down to like... Maybe a tiny kitchen garbage bag every two weeks between the two of us. That's impressive. Yeah, we're we're getting there. Like um, the person I kind of model myself after is uh, Lauren Singer, and she's been doing a zero waste movement, and she can fit three years of garbage in one mason jar. So that's like is that like pocket lint? <laughs> it's like twist ties and stuff that people have given her, or like bows on gifts she's gotten and stuff like that. Like. 
Hers is super legit. She's making people take garbage with them when they're <laughs> <laughs> Be gone. Yeah. You brought it in, you take it out. Exactly, right? Yeah, so I don't know if I'll ever get quite that far or, like, be able to do that, but, like, trying to do it, baby steps, like, definitely baby stepping it. Um, cosmetics has been the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. Like, zero waste makeup, like, everything comes in plastic containers yeah. that's super, like, non-recyclable, non-reusable. So that's been a huge challenge. Tried making my own makeup. Holy shit. That went... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had some people ask me, because I was trying to make my own foundation, and I had some people ask me, so why do you smell like curry powder? <laughs> like, so uh, Sarah makes her own body scrub now, nice. and she smells like candy 100% of the time. That sounds like a feature, not a bug. It, it's, <laughs> I hate sugar. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is the curry to Bryn's palate, yeah. I guess. So, I quite enjoy curry. Yeah. I'll let her know. I'll give her my recipe. There you go. <laughs> you asked for it. Just lick it you, off her. You two can swap. You'll be the yeah. sugary one and yeah. Sarah can smell like curry. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's been going. Um, Do you I, feel like tikka masala tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did you just improv us? Improv. Incept, <laughs> improv inception? Holy <laughs> shit. Do you work for curry? business yes i do actually i'm spawned this this episode is sponsored by curry (laughs) curry (laughs) the spice you love (laughs) great for the face great for the food yes wow what improv (laughs) improv come on keep up (laughs) i think we're out of time i think we're out of time i think we're out of time (laughs) thank you so much this was great yeah this was super fun thanks guys that was episode 203 thanks to Chantal for coming and hanging out with us that was a really fun episode we hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let us know what you think on Spectrum. We're at spectrum.chat slash specfm. You can join the Design Details channel there. Join our community of all of our podcasts and community of designers and developers talking about how to level up. Improv. And improv. Oh, shit. We need an improv channel. No. God, no. Shut up. If you want to petition for an improv channel, you can do Stop. so at spectrum.chat slash specfm. There's not a feature for that. Before we go, huge thank you to our sponsors that made this episode possible. First up is Figma. They're trying to hire a designer advocate and a content writer. These are roles for designers specifically. They, they really want people who know the, the subject matter. If you want to write blog posts about what's happening in the industry, what's coming up, what's exciting, talking to people and doing interviews, things like that, that is a great role for you. If you want to do something where you're making content and templates and helping people learn uh design advocate is a really great role i used to have it i can vouch for it wholeheartedly it was my favorite job i've ever had can't say enough good things about figma the product is very good team figma the lunch figma the the lunch is very good too uh what else uh figma the soundproof the office figma the office they don't have a soundproof figma the location across the street from moma and right above a really good coffee shop Uh uh-huh pretty rad right around the corner from really good restaurants so if you want that gig go to figma.com slash careers of course tell them we sent you and if you just need a rad tool for designing user interfaces go to figma.com try it out our second sponsor is fuse fuse is building a tool that lets you stop prototyping and just build it it's kind of like unity for developing apps uh, if you're familiar with unity which is a, a game development platform it's super neat like the concept is very novel and i'm really glad that they're working on it because more people need to be working on this problem of how do you stop just designing pictures and how do you start actually designing and building apps immediately it's an awesome tool with uh, collaboration built in with an awesome file format that helps you declaratively write 
the app that you want to build, and it all exports to real code. So instead of learning how to prototype, learn how to build real apps. You can go to fusetools.com, check out their examples, demos, features. If you're working with your team on a product, they have a professional plan. If that looks like something for you, you can use the promo code design details at checkout. That'll get you 50% off that pro plan for a year. Which is a lot of money saved. So yeah. thank you once again to Fuse. Catch you next week.